and you're listening to The Collabcast, a podcast about pop culture and the creative life from an Asian-American perspective. Ooh, what you do to me, running through my brain. Ooh, what you do to me, all mixed up insane. Ooh, what you do to me, swimming through my veins. Ooh, what you do to me. Hello, everyone. I'm Marvin. And I'm Minji. And we are your hosts for this episode 73 of the Collabcast. It's Thursday, June the 23rd. And it's uh, it's Brexit Day. Happy Brexit Day. We Now, by this point, we'll know if um, the Brexit is happening. Have oh. you heard of the Brexit? I have no... That's exactly what I was like. Say, well, huh, this is Brexit, the Collabcast, huh? your number one source for news on the Brexit, in which the United Kingdom is going to vote today on the referendum, whether or not they're going to stay in the EU or not. Oh, that's been yes, yes. I have I have slightly heard of this uh, international news in my universe, <laughs> which doesn't happen often. And that's there's enough going on in the U.S. these days to keep us fairly occupied. So, yes. yeah. As you know, we are the number one source for international news Absolutely. in the internet. Um, and this Brexit actually has some far-reaching um, implications. That you may or may not care about, but I make well enlighten me, please do, Mark. <laughs> well, um, the biggest thing is that um, if this succeeds, it will be the modern example of a populist, nativist, anti-immigration movement affecting policy. Which, well, in, can you, within a regular people's terms, <laughs> <laughs> um, on global terms, it doesn't really mean that much because economically, Great Britain is still very much tied to the EU in terms of trade and economics. But, and it's not to say, like most people, this is all about, you know, whether or not Great Britain should be free of obligations to the EU. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons on both sides. <laughs> the, the concerning thing is the overriding voice behind the exit movement has been very anti-immigrant, very nationalist, very like, make the UK great again type of type of um, rhetoric, mm-hmm. which um, is actually, I think, what is interesting, what the whole world is interested in. Yeah. So we'll see it. Happy Brexit Day. We'll I see mean, what there's happens. a lot of, like I said, <laughs> there's a lot going on in the world. That was like the longest introduction ever. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's our charm. That's why people listen in. I've been getting quite a few encouraging remarks lately. I mean, we've, it's not that I've ever heard discouraging remarks, but it's kind of, uh, I've just been bumping into people having meetings and conversations, but everyone's like, great job on your podcast. And I was like, oh, thank really? you. Yeah. So it's very nice to hear. It's always weird when people tell me that is they listen. Really, really, really. It's, it's really, really <laughs> weird. I, I swear. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's very sweet of you guys. And thank you. Please convert that to online um, five-star ratings. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Well, it's just me and Minji this week on the podcast, so we're going to get right to our roundtable. Each and every week, we start off the podcast going around our table. In this case, it's two of us talking about what's on our mind. side of the table. (laughs) Talking about what's on our minds in pop culture and Asian America. So this week, let's start with you, Minji. What's on your mind? Me, Minji. Funnily enough, um, our conversation with Taz and multiple conversations that we've had in the past several episodes... Um, regarding podcasts, I have been doing an excessive amount of driving this week, this past week, and I opened up my podcast app on my iTunes, which I have not opened in months. So there was like a feed of all these unplayed whatever, and I need to do some cleaning. But um, I downloaded a few new, I subscribed to a few new channels, and then I listened to a few new uh, podcasts. One of them, obviously the one that I used to listen to the most was This American Life which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and Everyone's there's, favorite. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I listened to a really, really great episode about the, um, the perils of intimacy. I don't know if anyone else has listened to that episode yet, but it's really well done. Um, and it was, I think, three different, three different topics. Have you listened to it? Do you listen to it regularly? I actually don't listen to that regularly. I sometimes play an episode while I'm browsing stuff, okay. but um, my podcast's, my podcast list is a lot different than most people's, I think. 
I'm sure. Yeah. And I like that. I think that's so great that you can make your playlist. And I definitely need to subscribe to the ones that Taz mentioned on last week's episode because they sounded really awesome. Uh, but so I have a point. Um, the one that I was listening to on my way here today was uh, from the from the channel Stuff Mom Never Told You. Um, and I think it's from howtomakestuff.com. I think that's the, you know, the... Oh, the network's called How Stuff Works. Yeah, How Stuff Works. And mm-hmm. then it's the the channel or the... Yeah, I actually listened to um, one of their podcasts called Stuff You Never Learned in History Class. I learned about yeah. that one. Yeah, they plugged it at the beginning of this one. <laughs> so I want to listen. So I'm like, oh my God, this is take me down this tornado of, yeah. of uh, podcasts. I mean, one thing you learn pretty quickly, especially when listen, listening to that network, is there's a lot of things that... You don't know. Yeah. That you don't know you don't know. That's so awesome. But then that, it can be, (laughs) suddenly I'm losing focus on everything that I ought to know (laughs) and ought to focus on. So it's a little bit of a catch-22. But the one that, the episode I listened to today, and I'm not done with yet, but I do want to comment on because it it actually mentioned Asian American um, pop culture, which was, I was not expecting to hear about it. Um, But the episode is about black romantic comedies. Okay. And so, shout! I want to tweet this to these to these lovely ladies because I would uh, love to get in touch with them. But I believe their names are Kristen and Caroline. They're two white females. They mentioned multiple times in the episode, just discussing um, rom coms, which I love. I think that's what sucked me in, and I was like, "Oh, I love romantic comedies." <laughs> and then they just kind of dissect the you know the state of Hollywood, which that seems to be a very hot topic and a, mm-hmm. a much needed to be discussed topic they just deep dive into how several of the like the top best you know top rom-coms of all time don't include some of the best rom-coms that include a black cast or black lead and it just spurred that conversation. that's true i mean for the longest time um even now i guess there's movies that you look at it and that's a black comedy right or that's a, I don't know, Latino comedy. It's like you see it as not a rom com, but a blank rom com. Right. 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 Um, when you see, you know, anything by the Wayne's brothers, anything by, um, what's his face? Medea. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler Perry. Perry yeah. yeah. And even um, anything by Kevin Hart. Right. 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 Well, they were talking about how that movie was uh, so successful, how Think Like a Man was one of the most successful romantic comedies. And yet, I forgot, oh my gosh, my brain's mush right now, but they were explaining how it was written off, that, oh, it's a black comedy. They were like, no, it was just a successful right. romantic comedy. Why are you categorizing it as, oh, it's because the black... And then they, they this whole analysis... I, I really, I'm just like plugging their podcast. I hope that yeah. people listen to it, because it went really into the statistics of who's watching this, who's paying for movie tickets, and it's... Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about this ad nauseum on this yeah. podcast where, yeah. you know, Hollywood's operating on these age-old notions backed up by their own age-old notions. You can't have opportunities if you just base on what's happened before instead of looking at what happens later. So it takes, you know, a fresh perspective. It takes a hot director. And risk. And risk in order to, you know, move on. It's interesting. It's, so um, speaking on podcasts, it was, there was a podcast I listened to a while ago. I think it was the HBR, um, Harvard, Harvard Business Review um, podcast, mm-hmm. where they had Goldie Hawn on and where she was talking about making the first Wives Club. I love that, that movie. Was oh my god! One of like the most successful movies of her career. Yeah, and it was just so hard to get it made. I right? bet. I bet. I mean, at the the end product, I freak. I've watched that movie at literally <laughs> fifty times. Like I've watched it a lot. It's one of those great movies that like you can watch over and over again. But it's a smart movie. It, there's so many people that can relate to. So many women and men. Like it's just about marriage, and it's hilarious. Three awesome women, but in my head. I was like, yeah. I wonder how much they had to fight to get this. And made. then I'm blanking on the specifics, but she was saying when they were in talks of making a sequel, uh-huh. none of the women in the movie were given credit. The studio didn't want to pay them competitive rates for the sequel, right? Uh, they they all took pay cuts to make that movie. Did they make a sequel? No. Or to make the actual to the make first the actual look. first film, they God. all they all took pay cuts in order to make this film they really wanted to make, and it was like super successful because it's amazing yeah <laughs> go watch it i oh my god i would die if they made a sequel that would be a joy of my life i'm putting i'm manifesting putting in the universe <laughs> make it happen that's a, it's a 
God, it's and then they're talking about how even well, then they they go off into multiple tangents just about how rom coms are dying because like Hollywood in general is you know investing in blockbuster movies yeah. and male ensemble leads and superheroes and all that stuff, which is totally true and that's a whole other topic. But it was really interesting that they. It was interesting to hear it from two white women being so like adamantly defensive and analytical and critical of this 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 issue that we've had. But it actually gave a lot of historical context as well because they talk about laws like the Hayes Code and things like all the laws of um, outlawing interracial marriage about the business of Hollywood that they mm-hmm. could not even like they brought up Anna Mae Wong like how you could not have them touching in a scene you know what i mean so by law and by business like if you made a film where you had an interracial couple you legally could not have them touching or like it it would it would you would be infringing upon legal issues that so maybe not every state but enough states had in place at the time that it would be bad business it would be a bad business that even just the the preconceptions of the Hollywood heads, like you would never get another movie made. Right. Because that's propaganda for, you know, insidious elements of, you know, I don't know, impure or whatever, whatever excuse they made back then to justify these things. And it's interesting because um, just last month, I think it was um, the anniversary of the Loving case, which is the like basically a Supreme Court case that legalized mixed marriages. Mm -hmm. And they're making a movie about that. That was, they showed it in Cannes called Loving, which is, the couple that, you know, were the plaintiffs in this okay. case. Okay. And there's this guy, this Asian American, I think mixed race dude, um, who's trying to make it into a national holiday, Loving Day. And yeah. It's, That's a great name. Like, oh, I love it. Well, the the, the, the the guy's name was something loving. How fitting. Um, That's not by accident. <laughs> That's by And it's, you know, design. learning about this case a little bit. And one, one of our writers for the blog is, is working on the piece um, on the guy who wants to make it into a national holiday so watch out for that later but just how recent this case was right right it was i think 50s or 60s it's not even a century old like you know less than a century ago it was illegal yeah that was that's pretty recent history in the in the wide range of his our history right right and then it's and then it's furthermore it's you think of okay when things become a law then think of the time that it takes to have it be culturally socially acceptable that's a whole other well, i mean even look at today's today. world you know the, <laughs> like i think um, samantha b um who um has a show full frontal on tbs which is great it's basically like um a more potty mouth version of the the um the daily show nice um she pretty much put it out there like in the year since the supreme court legalized gay marriage there has been more legislation, anti-gay legislation than like the past ever. Yeah, you know, any year. Yeah. I, okay, so there, and they brought up one of my favorite movies, which was Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, which mm-hmm. is about literally about interracial marriage. It's such a smart, well acted, like beautifully made film. Sidney Poitier was not allowed to touch the girl. He was not like his fiance, which the whole movie is about them being engaged. And like, yeah, he just, you don't see him loving up on that girl because that was not allowed. So it's just interesting. And I really recommend that movie too. If you haven't watched it, Spencer Tracy, Catherine Catherine Hepburn, and Sidney Poitier. And I don't know the name of the lead girl, which is terrible, but. It's your favorite movie though. It's not, it's what, yes. I will not take it off the favorite list, but I don't (laughs) know the name of the actress. But yeah, I really appreciate it. And then they, they just kind of talk about, um, you know, white Hollywood. They talk about um, and black comedies and and all the categorization. They go into the different films because they took the time to watch all of these black romantic comedies, mm-hmm. and they listed some of my favorites, which is like The Best Man and Two Can Play That Game. Oh my God, Vivica <laughs> Fox. <laughs> um, but then they touch and so this that's the part that i had to stop because i parked the car and i needed to come into the office <laughs> but they were talking about how like and there are no other minorities <laughs> like because like, like, they were talking about the one documentary the the indian american guy who's like it's basically document- meet the patels meet the patels yeah. and they're like then they started talking a little bit about wedding palace and mm-hmm. they're like and that's about it you yeah. know so we were just had so um there's been some developments in the LA Asian American podcast community that uh, we'll be announcing soon, hopefully. But we had a we were, I had a meeting today with other podcasters yes. from around the area, and you know, one of our friends um, is developing a movie podcast. 
about Asian American films, and she was asking us think about Asian American comedies that are that you would recommend.、Mm-hmm. And the list is really short.、Mm-hmm. You know, our community is all about indie dramas, and that's about it. Yep. You know, there are a couple of really good you know comedies. You no, know, there's Harold and Kumar, which you know our major Hollywood one. Um, there's a great film called Ping Pong Player that、um, a lot of people kind of wrote off, but I I really like. And I'm finding a lot more people actually like really like that film. You guys check it out. It's, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix still. Ping Pong Player. Oh, it's on Netflix. Yay!、Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. Besides like Wedding Palace and K Town Cowboys, like in the modern like there's historically speaking, it's very very few and far between. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we still have yet. Not to, I mean, we we have awesome actors who are coming up, and I mean, again, it's actually funny. If I hadn't listened to this podcast, my subject would have been Constance Wu,、mm-hmm. just to talk about all the things Constance Wu. Yeah, but、um, you know, we have these these lead actors that are emerging right now, which is so great, and so I feel like we're right on the heels of those being created. I want to know who's going to write them. I want, you know. Yeah. I'm very, I, but I'm not expecting the worst. That's like I, I want to maintain this attitude of like I don't want to expect the worst out of people. I think people's eyes are opening, their hearts are opening. So I'm not going to further expect garbage to come out of this. It could, <laughs> but no, I'm gonna. I think I think good people are going to step up to the plate because they realize that. This this conversation has matured. You know, it's not just like why are there no Asian people. Well,、it's、I think、like- what everyone needs to realize is that everyone writes garbage once in a while. Yeah, even the best writers. Yes, there's like ten pages of garbage right before that really really great thing they wrote. Or even after、right? <laughs> there was Indiana and, Jones four. What was that? Yeah, <laughs> and for a lot of minority voices, we need to be able to you know get that garbage out so that we can start putting out good stuff too. And for you know the powers that be, not to treat that garbage as like a representation of everything. And、um, so let's go. We can move on to my type because I'm actually going to bring up the Constance Wu article okay, on okay, Vulture, okay.、Um, which、um, if you haven't read it yet, there's a really great piece.、Oh, I forgot who wrote it. Sorry, but basically it's it's an interview with Constance Wu about essentially her being the new Asian American it girl and、She、her kind of rejecting that、mm-hmm. because. Um, and she goes into a lot of like really frank talk about race and how and race and diversity, how lucky she's had it in you know casting、mm-hmm. in her career that she understands it's like not common, right? And the fact that like she feels drawn to stories written by women or directed by Asian American women or women in general because of her, you know, Alex Jung. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Alex.、Um, and basically. Shows a lot of thoughtfulness, I guess, in terms of her place. Yeah. In you know, in in the, the entertainment grand industry, scheme of things, yes. And also being unapologetic, and I feel like it's、uh, so.、Um, on the way in to the office, I was also listening to podcasts. So、um, I was, I've been <laughs> listening to、though. Code Switch's new podcast. Code Switch is a、um, race and culture blog that. Is a part of NPR. They're one of the main sources of race-oriented pieces on NPR. They do really great, great work. And、um, they recently started a podcast where they're talking about these things. And、um, so, a couple of weeks ago, right after on the heels of Muhammad Ali's、um, passing,、um, they released a podcast episode, basically going through like re-re-remembering Muhammad Ali, right? Because you know, once you pass away, everyone kind of remembers the good. Everyone kind of talks about like, oh, how he transcended race, how he got people behind him, and kind of not addressing the fact that he was very divisive,、mm-hmm. especially in his youth. Right. You know, not only within, you know, white America, but within Black America as well. And the things he said, and the things he believed in, and what he, the groups he belonged to. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.、Um, so, I was thinking, for our community, the Asian American community. How long it took for some? We know a lot of people now that are very outspoken,、right. present company included, <laughs> um, who you know maybe five ten years ago, if they were in the industry, probably wouldn't have spoken up as loud, right? Right, because of who it might upset or oh yeah, it's like how it might affect、room. your career. We're all looking、like、around the room, like, are you going to say it? <laughs> are you going to say it? I'm sorry. Oh, sh- oh、yeah. no, I'm not going to say it. I'm not. So、it. I was you know, just reflecting through that how. How kind of awesome it is now that we have someone 
like Constance Wu, like Minji Chang, who isn't afraid to just like kind of use their position to really tell it up, tell it like it is. Oh, right? I'm still afraid. Like <laughs> that's a funny thing because, well, I mean, I'm not I'm not in a Constance Wu position, but to whatever degree. I can shed light. That's how I feel. Because when I read these articles, again, and we've, we've talked about this so many times, because when we're, when we're in the thick of it, right, we get to understand the, the inner workings and the complexities, all the layers, all the um, politics, all of the, you know, passive aggressiveness and all the just blatant ignorance. Like they just, they're not even being malicious. They just don't know. You, we, we're privy to that. That's a world that we live and, and learn in really different ways every single day. And then that, for me, takes me out of the context of, and I'm around so many artists and people who are like-minded and awesome and thoughtful and intelligent and forward-thinking and progressive. And then I lose sight of that because like, when, you, when, you, when you're with regular civilians, it's like people who are in the military, you know what I mean? They get that mindset and that's all that they know and then they're around people that know what they know. So then that conversation kind of becomes a little bit redundant or a little bit, you know, it, it's not as, uh, it, you don't feel that it is so fiery or so impactful or so controversial yeah. until you step out of that bubble. And, and to be honest, it took like people like Constance and Margaret Cho and Anna Connor and like all these people that I, I'm such an like admiration of. Yeah, friends, Naomi, Jenny. And Naomi and, and Jenny and everybody. But like that context helped. Just dropped a bunch of names right there. Yeah, we're totally name dropping. Did you hear <laughs> that? Can, we, can I pick them up? No, I'm not picking them up. Um, but that helped contextualize things for me that it reminded me the necessity of that. And that gives you courage. That gives you urgency. And that gives you like passion or anger or whatever it is to suddenly say all that stuff, either like being in your bubble where you're like, oh, we already know this. Or I don't want to say anything. I don't want anyone to like look at me weird and I don't want to be the one to rock the boat. Oh my God, everyone's going to hate me. Just saying fuck it to all of that and being like, okay, so this is how it really is. And I appreciate all of that because yeah, some days I'm just like, I don't want to say anything. And some days I'm like, are we talking about this again? But, you know, people like Constance and people like Jenny and people like Phil and like all these awesome people, Dan and like all our friends, you know, they make it a point because they understand and they help me remind me to understand like we need to keep talking about this and and shed light because a lot of people, I don't think a lot of it is malicious. I think it's just... They don't know no better. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it is like really stupid. Like how could you, how could, how can you be that out of touch with humanity to think that, oh, we're just making fun of them. We didn't mean anything, (laughs) you know, that it doesn't take a toll. Are you like, what? Like, that's why, I don't know. And I appreciate the fact that Constance um, cusses, like that they (laughs) keep that in the article. Not that I'm promoting cursing, but it's also, she's just very honest and you, I love that about her. Yeah. Well, you know, girls cuss. They also okay. apparently poo and pee. Yes. In in some parts of the world, yes. <laughs> Marvin still hasn't wrapped his, his no, head no, around. You his know idea. what? You know what? Um <laughs> can't believe I'm saying this. You know how I learned that was um Are we going into this? <laughs> unisex bathrooms. Okay. Yeah. And like, then your whole Well, you know, just following a girl <laughs> after she comes out and realizing what she just did in there. It's like, hmm. Oh my god! Interesting. Why does it always turn into a poo conversation with you? I'm just I don't know. we should take a tally. This is episode seventy three. Like, do a well. This is the first time poo and peeing has uh, emerged. So, just yeah. one. But uh, no, that's not true. It's come up before. It's come up. That's what I'm saying. On this episode. On this ep- okay. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. So you'd have to <laughs> mark all the episodes. It'd be a tag. Yeah. Um, well. We're going to take a quick break uh, to update you on some club updates. And uh, we'll be right back to talk more about things. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening to the Collabcast episode 73. This episode is brought to you by Collaboration, a nonprofit organization supporting Asian Americans in the arts and entertainment. Discovering, elevating, showcasing, and connecting the creative talents of our community. Well, summer is finally here. Break out your summer jams and get ready for some collaboration. There are a bunch of events coming up, starting with Collaboration Chicago in July. 
The annual Collaboration Chicago Showcase is taking place on Saturday, July 9th at 1 p.m. at Lincoln Hall. Tickets are on sale now, so check out their Facebook page for more information. Um, you can also find information on collaboration.org. Also on July 9th is Collaboration DC's Northern Virginia Showcase. This is part of Collaboration DC's Live Spotlight series, uh, which is taking place over two weekends and will be what they use to decide who will be their Collaboration Star representative in November. The Northern Virginia show is taking place at Epicure Cafe in Fairfax, Virginia. Check out their Facebook page for more information. The second Collaboration DC showcase, the second Collaboration DC spotlight is taking place in DC on Saturday, July 16th. It's taking place at Recessions Cafe on L Street in DC. For more information on the event as well as how to perform, check out their Facebook page or on collaboration.org. Also taking place on Saturday, July 16th is the annual Collaboration Los Angeles Showcase taking place at the East West Players David Henry Quaint Theater in downtown Los Angeles, Little Tokyo. Um, the show starts at 7 p.m. and tickets are on sale now. You can find more information on the event and tickets at www.collabla.org. Finally, Collaboration Houston is having their showcase on Saturday, July 30th. Um, location and time is still TBA. But if you're in Houston, Texas, please save the date and keep your eyes open for more details. One last thing, if you are a performing artist in the Atlanta, Georgia area, Collaboration Star Auditions for the Atlanta representative for this year's Collaboration Star is taking place on Saturday, July 16th. Um, in order to be considered for this live audition, you must submit a video audition by this Sunday, June 26th. Uh, for more information, you can go to tinyurl.com slash collabstaratl um, or check out Collaboration Atlanta's Facebook page and also on collaboration.org. Man, that's a lot of stuff happening. Um, <laughs> the collaboration movement is in full swing. So please stay tuned on to Collaboration, um, either on our website or our social media for more updates on what's going on. Uh, we've got some good content for you coming up soon. Speaking of content, we have some new stuff up on collaboration.org, our uh, flagship website, including a new green room session um, by singer-songwriter Melissa Polinar that just went up on Monday. Check that out um, either on our YouTube channel or on collaboration.org. Um, we also have a piece going up on our friend Naomi Ko, who you might remember from previous episodes of this podcast. Our associate editor Jennifer Beck did a great interview with her. Um, and there's also an audio version, so um, we're trying that out. So um, please give it a listen and let us know what you think. As always, you can find this episode and past episodes of the Collabcast on the website as well. So please check us out. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can also subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play Music, or via our RSS feed. And that'll do it for this week's collaboration update break. Um, we've got some exciting news coming up for the rest of summer, so stay tuned for that. But um, without further ado, let's get you back to the show. Happy Brexit, everyone. And welcome back to the Clubcast episode 73. 73. Welcome back. We're continuing our coverage of the Brexit that's happening right now. The vote <laughs> is in and Britain will either leave or stay in the EU. We don't know because it's actually Wednesday. Hi. <laughs> Hello. The stakes are so high. I can't <laughs> handle it. No, but it is. I shouldn't make light of it. It's uh, it'll be interesting. It has a big effect interesting on, days on this to world. come. Our world is Changing. in the process of change, and everyone's very uncomfortable. <laughs> Speaking of change, you've been quite busy um, with uh, some change from your parents. I have. I feel like I'm entering a new phase of adulthood. So many feels. <laughs> Okay, well, to okay, provide context, I'm helping my parents sell their business, their dry cleaners, and it's a very big honor for me, but it's also like an existential crisis. Not crisis, but a, a moment of... I feel like every moment of life is an existential crisis. I feel like if you're not having we call it an a crisis. existential crisis... Let's reframe this. I mean... Yeah. <laughs> but I know, I know what you're saying. If you're not reevaluating your life every day, you probably have a pretty good life. I envy you. I get a kick out of reevaluating my sometimes. Let's not let's be real. But yeah, no, you're you were. This was a big deal because um, this came on the heels of your you because you came in one day to the office, 
like kind of in distress because you thought your parents were going to sell the house you grew up in. Yeah. Right. Or not the house you grew up in, but the house you. I did grow up. Came I mean, of age. Yeah. Right? Very much came of age. So it's like yeah. from when I was thirteen until what now? I mean, that's our house. That's where we have Christmas and Thanksgiving, and that's where we go to rest to get away from our crazy lives and our careers <laughs> and all that stuff. So yeah, it was a. It was yeah. a big shift, but I wasn't. I, I was. I, I was shocked at how distressed I was because I was like, "I'm a grown up, and I'm happy for my parents, and I want them to go have the freedom to do whatever they want, and it's too big of a house for just two people and all that stuff." So logically, I was totally there, and then emotionally, I was like, "Oh my god, my home!" So, um, and this was something that we've seen. We've seen some of our friends go through, like when our friend, friend of the show, Shamira, recently. Oh my god! Like this past year, went back home to Jersey to pack up his things, and yeah. he went through. And I had this moment too when I was going through um, packing for uh, cleaning out my room for grad school, and then just seeing all like my old college applications, Your life, and just all the dreams I used to have that have been since crushed. All the good old days when we aspired and had hopes. No. I totally feel it. And the funny thing is my room, I've shifted out of multiple rooms in my parents' house. So like I've moved multiple times within that house. And so I've had a shuffling of my belongings and I've moved the most, I think, out of everyone in my family because I would go you know, college and then go to Oakland, then come back. No, college, come back, go to Oakland, go to San Francisco, go to LA. And all of that displaced everything. So my crap is everywhere. <laughs> so I've had multiple moments of these like reflection things. And my brother kind of just college grad school he just dumb left stuff just peaced out kind of peace out folks no, he came back at, a, at one point and then helped my parents so it's funny right when uh, i was going through a rough time in my life and right when my brother got back from undergrad was when they opened this store so it's kind of like again the fact that they're selling it makes you go to the beginning makes you think of like oh my god and oh my god like we were going through a really hard time at that time and just you, you, it's a time warp. And so all of that definitely came back into play, resurging a lot of feelings of like happiness and pride of how far we've come. Because I remember when we were going into this venture, they were confident because my, my grandma used to own a dry cleaners in San Francisco way back in the day. And my parents helped with that. So it's not like it was completely new business, but it's it's still a new venture of ours. I think it's kind of like, I'm not going to speak for your parents because I don't know you know, all the details, but to me, it's probably their own version of moving back in with their parents, right? Like kind of going back to this thing where you kind of felt like you had moved on from, Maybe. but Maybe. now we have to, because, well, I didn't even think of that. I mean, I my, my own family, you know, our immigrant story is pretty, you know, there were a lot of tough times that I wasn't aware of when I was a kid, because you, you don't think about that stuff. You think about, I want to play Nintendo. Or I wanna, Why don't you know. I get my bike? Where's my bike? <laughs> I want rollerblades now. My bike is stupid. But there was a time, Bikes are um, I mean, my dad used to work for the main company as a sales rep. And then, not sales rep, he was, um, he was a purchase, he was a buyer. Okay. My dad was a buyer for the main company. And then basically he was let go. Mm-hmm. And so for a while, he had to really be scrappy to make sure that we had enough, you know, food, to live comfortably yeah. you know we had just put down a down payment on the house yeah and you know um he took out a sizable loan for my grandparents um which is you know like family loan yeah but that comes with all other sorts of baggage like i think <laughs> that's why people are like don't do that and just go for the bank yeah and so um for and that's why my dad ended up like not being around when i was growing up because mm-hmm. he you know, he start he got into ex- import export, kind of being the middleman between manufacturers and retailers. It's and very involved you know, job. And you know, it's it's what he, he's grown to really like. It's you know, it's what he does now. And like he'll he'll work till like he's like he can no longer work. That's just how my dad is. Um, but for a while there was it was touch and go, you know. And even now it's you know, he works really hard. You know, we're we're at a comfortable comfortable place. Um, where he could scale back, but he's still thinking about like the next deal, right? That's next, awesome. And making things happen. Um, and at some point, like I'm able to talk about this with my father now because um, as an adult, you know, you kind of can commiserate, right? Because we're we're both trying now to, that we know we're both trying to pain. make it as adults in right. the world, trying to support ourselves, our dreams, our you know goals, and you know, especially in 
since we work in the creative fields where you know it's it's a little bit more unstructured right right it's a little bit more like uh, i don't know if you have this problem but i still have some issues when i try to explain to my dad what i do of course right oh i'm um, worse than you <laughs> and i say you know, things on a microphone once a week <laughs> and so yeah i mean that do? you know i have to say it in terms of things that he can understand like i take plan i make plans and I execute them and i make sure people do their jobs well and my output is not things it's media it's yeah. entertainment it's creativity stuff it's art. that you know it's kind of harder to put it's a inspiration dollar. father it's passion yeah. and you know it's stuff that's harder to quantify yeah but important and that's kind of our our crux is kind of trying to convince people that what we do is it's our worth service. Something. How do you value yeah. that? But, um, you know, just talking about like, I think as an adult, they're more willing to talk about just, at least my dad is about just how hard he had to work to get us here. And like, it's his way of giving advice. Like, you know, like my dad has the, the typical entrepreneur story it was like, it got down to, so, okay. Um, here's a anecdote from a event I went to once um, um, when I was in DC working in the startup community there. I used to work for a startup in Bethesda, Maryland. And um, I went to this um, event with Eric Reese, the author of The Lean Startup. And he was talking about his favorite entrepreneurial film, Ghostbusters. That's an entrepreneurial right? film? Yeah, because if you think about it, it's a film about four experts who decide to provide a service that's needed that only they can provide. Ghostbusters! But it doesn't, they don't, they, um, for that first their launch, it was not successful. Right. And it wasn't until like they were about to shut down and they got that one call, that one sales call that changed everything. Yeah. Right. You know, they were about to give up and then someone called in, like, oh yo, I have a ghost. Right. My dad was the same way. <laughs> like he, it was hey, get over it here. got a to ghost. a point where it was he was about to, you know, go be a sales rep. Right. Like just I just need to work and make money to support the family. Mm-hmm. And then one of his former coworkers, uh, not coworkers, one of his former, I guess someone who worked with him before came to him and said, Hey, I have this thing that needs to I need to make this thing happen. And my dad made it happen and that led to more business, which led to more business, which led to you know us being able to sustain sustain and thrive. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, and that's, you know, that's a classic. That should be made into a movie. I mean, if you look at all the, entre- like, films about these type of things, entrepreneurial films, right? It, that's, that's the storyline, right? You start this thing. Persevere. Everything is about to go, like, crashing down. And then you get that one person coming. Oh, is this a... I don't, I'm trying to think of other movies. Like, there are other movies. That this, it's all, like, this ro- it's is rocky. A, it's it's yeah. everything. It's the... It's the and that's why I think that the immigrant story, why it hits so hard with people and why I think it's way more universal than people realize. And that's why I wanted to share this on the podcast. And to be honest, like I felt a little bit uncomfortable because my brother, God bless you. I love you. I'm sure you might be listening to this. His wife does. And then she tells him everything I say. <laughs> but um, well, now, that, now that you mentioned him, she has to tell him. Shout out to Joey. <laughs> thanks you. Th- thanks you. Um, but anyway, he... He just brought up like, and this is kind of the theme that I'm I'm recognizing now at this point, like how much my parents have actually shared and how much I've just learned through osmosis and just observation. But they haven't shared. My mom is the sharer and she tells me everything. If I ask her, she'll she'll let me know. But they don't volunteer a lot of information. They don't. And my dad certainly doesn't. And I realize like there's so much pride in my father. And that's what I've seen in a lot of Korean men. And I'm sure a lot of other people as well. But and Korean men, oh my God, I'm sure who, if there's like there's a special type of pride that comes with Korean men. I, I, like. I just there, I I can't like it's in Korean is chajumshim, but like it's just this. It's I can there you can euphemize it and like it just you can say that it's great in certain ways, and I certainly can say why it's great. It really makes them very principled and very like. Um, Proud in a good way, but oh my god! I mean, <laughs> I've just had to deal with it for three decades. So I mean, pride is both a. Right, I mean, pride is a cardinal sin, yeah. Right, but it's also Virtue like it's folly. also. I mean, so being proud of what you do is important, right? right? It's it's no, what right. makes you want to do it good, 
Yeah. Right. Do things good because you're proud of it. Right. Because if you're not proud of what you're doing, you're not going to put in the effort. Right? So maybe that's the wrong word. I don't know. But it's just also this this thing of saving face and this mm. idea of um, like don't talk about our yeah, problems. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, that and and I think um, my dad went through definitely a shift as himself as a person coming to America. And my dad, like, he's incredibly good at English, and I didn't ever really um, know this until way later in my life, of course. But how lucky I was that I could communicate so freely with my dad that I learned Korean, so we we conglish it up all the time. But like he. He still has a pretty, you know, very noticeable accent, but his grammar and his vocabulary is wonderful. And I think that that's a a huge testament to him. And those are things I had to pick up. He never sat and told me it was really hard to learn. He never complained about that. He never like lamented or or even commiserate, like let me in in that way to know his journey. I had to piece it together on my own, which... You know, it's been interesting. That's just what I've been through. And part of me wishes that he had been a little bit more open because mm-hmm. maybe who knows what I would have learned from his, his anecdotes. He never talked about how one job ended and one started. They all just kind of like happened. And I'm now I'm left now with all these yeah. questions like what the how did that how did you go from that to that? What was that process like when you're opening? How did you choose the name for your company? Maybe you should borrow this recorder and just go. I want to. Stuff. My mom does that with my grandfather. I have one grandfather left, um, and he's he's a former Air Force. I think he was a captain. That's awesome. Um, he flew in World War II with the uh, Republic of China, the Chinese Army. He flew troop transports. He right. was a communications officer. And so um, he's... A spry, ninety-eight years old, That's but he dope. can't I love hear. That. He can't really see, so he's kind of stuck in bed all the time. But he listens to his radio, Aww. listens to his um, you know, doesn't listen to his podcast because doesn't speak English. But he has so many stories, and he's just. My mom has like a whole, like pretty much a whole SD card filled with just recordings of him. Just That's telling amazing. Stories, you know? I really want to do that. I recorded my grandma when I was in Korea. Like she didn't know I was holding my phone and I was recording <laughs> her. And I was like, damn, I'm going to, this is just pure gold. I can't like, I'm so lucky to have these moments. And so, yeah. So my, and in, in my parents selling this business, it made me reflect on a lot of these different moments and, um, kind of helped me feel like I was actually contributing to their well being in this way that I, definitely hadn't before i think up until now the fact that i've been independent like i was one of those kids and i prided my i have the korean pride too like for better or worse you (laughs) You know don't say hey i'm not as bad as my dad (laughs) um i think but like maintaining that level of integrity within myself is what i think i got from my dad my dad has been very difficult about it i'm sure i'm difficult and marvin could probably have his own podcast about how difficult i am but um when I got to help them just do the business posting, I recognized how much I had kept out of their business and for good reason. Cause like I just had this mentality, like they're the grownups. And even though I'm an adult, like you still have that. They're the parent, they're the grown up. I'm the kid. You respect their space. And I kind of just kept it at that. And I always felt that and my mom always said this to me that she's like, you take care of yourself. And that's a huge relief to me. And I'm so happy for that. So I felt like I was doing my part by just taking like paying my rent. And and I'm glad I'm glad I did all those things. But I felt like this point, this experience this past week was like, I need to step up my game and help them more actively. There are things that I can do and things that I know and skills that I have. For example, my mom was relying on word of mouth to sell her business or relying on the the good graces of her great friends. She has a really great network, really strong group of friends and church and all that stuff. But how much more opportunity she could, could she have if she could just do an internet posting? And there is a website where she could do that, but she didn't know how to navigate that. And I was like, girl, I could do that. And like, that's what I do all day, you know? And I it got me really excited. And then it got me feeling really guilty. I was like, shit, how have I... Like they've been doing, they've been at this for months and I never once like offered. So that moment was a very big moment for me to just be like, okay, I can do this. I can spend, it took me, I think 90 minutes tops to tell her to take photos on her tablet, Mm -hmm. to send them to me, to give me the stats. And I fleshed out a much more better descriptive 
uh, posting because I did my research. I spent like what 30 minutes looking at as many business postings as I could. And you can tell like the ones that are written by non-English speakers right. and ones, you know, where they include a little bit more information and photos and have a little bit more tech savvy. I don't know. I was just like, all right, I'm going to kill this. I'm going to nail it. And I'm going to do this for my parents. And that urgency and that love was just like, yeah, it's like when you're looking at, you know, let's say dating apps and you can say, oh, this person spent a little bit more time on their profile Precisely. than this other person. You know, you know, <laughs> you look at an Instagram account, you know, people who like filtered and edited and shot that stuff like, you know, but I really wanted to do that for my parents. So it was, it was a great moment. I got pretty emotional just cause I was like, it's, it's a, it's a changing of seasons. I'm, I'm an, I'm an adult now that can help out my parents. And we keep saying that like we are adults, we are adults. just in case you didn't know, okay, we are it and people, adult people making it in the world. But even when people become parents, it's still this. And that's what we're experiencing. We share this on our podcast. Like how, how my parents must have felt at 25 to be the parents, like to be married and have children. And I'm it's more so amazed to them. by my friends who are parents who I knew you in college. Yeah. When they're dumb. I have pictures of you running around in, you know, not much. Not fully clothed. <laughs> Whatever. But like, that's also the funny thing. We're still ourselves. You know, I feel like if I'm 98, I'm going to be chilling, listening to like Taylor Swift <laughs> Mariah Carey. I'm going to be, that's what I'm going to be jamming out to. Like, you know, Blackstreet. You mean old people music. Yes, yeah. old people music when I'm 98. I mean, like wilding out and clubbing. Well, but, hopefully by then yeah. it'll be, because you know how tastes are cyclical. And now we're go- we're moving into late 90s nostalgia. Right? We're kind of getting boho now. We're getting a little bit into the 70s. Just FYI, that's kind of coming back. The flower print and all that. Fashion? So? Yes, it is. I walked around in Forever 21 today. I can confirm. Forever 21, the, That's the, where the arbiters cheap trends, of cheap trends, cheap trends. trendy clothes. Also it, owned by Korean Americans. Uh, yes. Hmm? Yes, absolutely. They totally capitalize off that. But um, I think that it's awesome that you have that shared conversation with your dad. And my, I, I talk with my dad, but he's mostly lecturing me on how to be a better leader and things like that. Mm-hmm. So he gets very uh, theoretical and very philosophical, which I, I totally appreciate. And I can get to converse my dad in that deep way but i wish he had like business tips like <laughs> he he lectures me about building good habits you know things that are relevant my dad does but, that too um he talks about you know his management style is very much like why aren't you doing your best yeah yeah, right? yeah. And this is how he is with his employees because he um he has a lot of employees that make mistake sometimes or tries to take shortcuts and he catches all of them and so he's I'm always yeah. but these are all cultural differences too like in terms of hierarchy and command and all that stuff watching yeah. my parents run their businesses has been really eye-opening for me because i'm the one that's way more touchy-feely kumbaya i'm like you need to be nicer and you need to be saying nice things give them gifts and mm-hmm. like da, 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 da. and he's like no they're my employees i'm paying them i'm already yeah. giving them gifts <laughs> their lives and i'm like what do you like we argued, but it's funny because my mom's actually more of the, my mom is somebody I really wor- learned from too. She loves to work. Mm-hmm. She has always been working. And that's also like, I swear, I want to just like, I need a, I want to make a LinkedIn profile for my mom just so <laughs> I could document where she's worked. And that's also just an eye-opening yeah. story for me. I don't think I like they're either like they talk about they're we're going to retire and we're going to travel, which is a new thing for my dad because he never could even imagine. I used to ask him like, "Where do you want to go?" and he had no answer. <laughs> and now he's like, "I'm going to go to Tahiti. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to do all this stuff." And I was like, "That's dope." I mean, that's good that they can. And my parents travel all the time now. Like when my dad has days off, they go to Japan, they go to Korea, they go that's to so Thailand. Cool. Um, and it's you know it's. It's their time to do that, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why it's such a contrast because you and I do that. We travel now. We get to do, and that's that's a fun, that's a crazy thing to recognize. I'm like, they've been working six days a week for the last twelve years straight, mm-hmm. and before that, I think it was pretty much the same schedule. We have not 
gotten on a plane as a family and gone anywhere because my parents are always anchored to their business. They're always running things. They've worked together for like 20 years, which is insane. And you were saying they don't, they don't hire anybody, right? They hire very few people. They Mm -hmm. do a lot of the business themselves. And like, that's also something I learned from my dad is like, he has a hard time trusting people sometimes or like he holds them to a very high standard. You know what I mean? So a lot of those things, but it's crazy that now that they're getting to 60, that's, that's when they get to travel and like, my life is the complete opposite and that's why they're begging me like settle the hell down and like buy a house and get married and shoot out some babies. But that's my life and that's theirs. That's where we butt heads. But we don't really butt heads. It's just different. But man, like my mom's worked in mail rooms. She's worked at burger joints. She's worked at all these places that I just didn't recognize until really recently. So yeah. I'm very happy to help them. But it's definitely like and then I posted that on Facebook and then all my friends who are like in the similar uh, life stage, especially my Asian friends or my Asian American friends, they're all like experiencing these, these changing. The changing I mean, it's the a garden. very like, you know, it's, I don't want to say cliche, but it's a very common immigrant story, right? Because when they came here, when our parents came here, like there weren't, even if they were perfectly qualified to do other things, the opportunities might not have been there. Language right. barriers, things like that. Right. So a lot of them had to, you know, start small family businesses. And, you know, something that, you know, gets overshadowed by all the Googles and Facebooks and all those these tech startups, the Airbnbs and the, I don't know, Periscopes or whatever. <laughs> I was um, like, what's the last business, Mark? <laughs> it's um, most entrepreneurs in the United States are family businesses. They're franchisees. They're small, like dry cleaners, you know, Panda Express owners, McDonald's owners, you know, um, Cafe Dose, like small coffee shops, Mm -hmm. um, neighborhood markets, you know, bodegas, like liquor stores. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's because that's where the opportunity was. That's not even opportunity. That's where, I mean, that's well, just. For the, yeah. But like you're told, it is opportunity in various ways. It's shaped by different aspects yeah. based on, especially with the language thing. I mean, yeah. th- my mom was, she went to college for education. She was going to be a teacher and she was going to teach English. Yeah. You, okay. But like she comes to America, she worked in a mailroom at the yeah. Levi's company. And like, that's. And even with what she could do, and even with like dry cleaners or like restaurants, right? There's a reason why there are so many, and that's because that's um, if you ever watched this documentary called Finding General So, which is kind of a it's a documentary about the origins of General So's chicken, which is Americanized Chinese food. Mm-hmm. But part of one of the scenes that they had was basically people coming fresh off the boat, really, uh-huh. and being like listing seeing listings of where they can open chinese restaurants in middle america right because that's where they All can right, go I and make watch money. that yeah yeah literally the name of the <laughs> restaurant would be chinese food <laughs> golden dragon or yeah, golden yeah. phoenix yeah. inn or something yeah but yeah i mean there's a whole community support system around these businesses because that's where i mean there's a whole you know like infrastructure infrastructure yeah support yeah. like i don't know there's, my parents are even part of like the korean dry cleaners owners yeah. like i don't even think it's an official thing but they have their own little it's association not, it's not an them. accident that this became quote-unquote cliche yeah. it's just it happens because that's what they had to do to survive right and right? there's part of it that like i think it makes sense like my dad's an aeronautical engineer major. He was gonna. He was contracted to work on bombs and stuff in the desert outside. I was supposed to be in L.A. Like that's where I was supposed to be, and I ended up in the Bay because my grandmother, who was running a dry cleaners, got in a car accident, hurt her back, and needed help. Mm-hmm. And then the job in L.A. or outside of L.A. in the desert somewhere. It's probably Lancaster. I think so, mm-hmm. um, but it froze that off because I think it was during the Reagan. And I don't know. See, I don't know all the <laughs> things, but something happened with that job where it was put on hold. And my grandma got in an accident, so we stayed in the Bay Area. That's how I became Bay Area girl. And Ap- uh, condolences yeah. about the the, the Shut warriors. up! I don't want to talk about it. It's so sad. <sighs> Next year, um, but it, how that changed the whole trajectory of his life and then even with dry cleaning like i see him he goes and works on the machines like he loves that stuff he's so physics and engineering like total engineer nerd and i think there's part of him that really enjoys that and the thing that i think that well i think god and destiny made him deal with is interacting with customers like 
he was not a person that I would put behind the counter being like, hey, welcome to my store. And did it. Like my mom, absolutely. She is a <laughs> rainbow. But my dad is like, what do you want? You know, like, but funnily, it brought out this whole other side of him. And I feel like it has changed my him and therefore my family, like astronomically. And that stuff is, that's what hits my heart and makes me cry because if, you know, at one point he was not particularly happy running a dry cleaning business he had run a computer board assembly manufacturing company and was doing really well with that and again i don't even know all the specifics of how that ended but like this was a new business venture he went into it with my mom and him just like went gung-ho and like loved it i guess to a degree but he wouldn't let me come to the store you know and i don't know if he wants me to share that but <laughs> you know but now i go all the time and like it's cool and like that it's transformed us you know it's not just a job it's not just a vocation it's not just a means to survive it is all those things but it's also like how they live life and how they have been accepted by pleasanton community and like by a very you know middle upper middle class white community that treats them with such respect and loves them and voted for them in the Pleasanton Weekly Best Dry Cleaners of 2015. That's amazing. How many dry cleaners are there in Pleasanton? There's quite a few because, I mean, it's a it's a nice, sleepy suburban town, like city, but it's, a, it's in the Bay Area. There's a lot of people who work in tech that live out there in the suburbs and just take the train in and like they, I've totally outed my parents, but like I'm proud of them because that's, you know, it's such a reflection of their work that the entire, like the city voted for them. I was so, I cried my eyes. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like I felt like a parent, but you know, it's, that's what I'm saying. There's, there's deeper stories behind everything, right? Like how everyone came to be and like where they'll go. And I, I have every intention of getting them to come down to LA cause they're like, they're like, so are you serious about movie stuff? <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah. I'll be here. I'm going to be doing collaboration, helping out the community. I'm going to be in movies, whatever, TV. So you need to get your butt down to LA. That's now my plan. Now that I've accepted that yeah. they will be leaving. Can bring them down to OC, have your brother deal with them. That's what I'm saying. Like, no, it's like, I want them to be around me. And I also threatened my mom. And I don't know about the whole marriage and children thing still. But I was like, if you want babies, you need to be by my house. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> so I'm totally Wait, how, is that, how, is, how does that work? I just want her to take care of the kids. I want my mom's help. I can't imagine if I have children that... No, I mean, of course, there'd be uh, wonderful people, but I would love for them to build a relationship. Mm. And if my mom has the flexibility and ability to be there, she would love it. She's the one bugging me. She cares about it more than I do. <laughs> would you have them move in with you? No. And I don't think they would either. <laughs> the, we we are Americanized in that we're like, yo, I need space. <laughs> like, get out of my face. They'll have their spot, I'll have mine. But I, I really want to like, I'm eager to send them on trips and mm -hmm. spend time with them and like let them do their fun thing and all this stuff. Yeah. So, you know, guys, stop booking those gigs, you know? <laughs> well, it's a start of a new era, I guess. Did they sell their... Is this still on sale? We it's on sale. Yeah. I mean, this was recent, so we'll see. We'll yeah. see. All, all in, all in the good timing of the universe and God's good graces, all that stuff. <laughs> I have faith. Well, good luck to the Chang family. Thank Hopefully you. They will um, get a good deal. They're gonna be like your dad, though. They're gonna like stop that and start working on something else. <laughs> They're like, oh, we rested a week. Your dad's gonna develop a new app. He base he'll he'll come up with something. He'd be like, "Oh, I should do blah blah blah." <laughs> I was like, "Do it." I think working is so much fun. Yeah. Well, that will do it for this episode of the Collabcast. Thanks to our guest, nobody, for joining us. <laughs> um, thank you, Minji, for thank you, Marvin. The exciting talk. Um, we don't, we ran out of time, so we can't talk about the Brexit some more. But oh, um, but shout out to all my immigrant. Children, you guys. Yeah, immigrant stories. It's it's the next big thing in Hollywood. Tis. There's right. so many to share. So yeah. I hope you guys will share. <laughs> Sharing. Thanks again to everyone listening to us. If if you listen to us on iTunes, please give us a rating and review. Five stars preferred, but if you do want to give us less, I understand. The important thing is that you engage so we get more um we get more metric stuff to um, improve. 
You can also listen to and subscribe to us on Google Play Music, Stitcher, TuneIn, and wherever you catch podcasts through our RSS feed. Um, if you have a question, feedback, or topic you'd like to uh, send us for us to um, read or talk about on the air, please email us at podcast at collaboration.org. Or compliments about how much you appreciate Marvin's jazzy radio voice. It's not jazzy. It is. Thanks again to Clara C for use of her song Electric for intro and outro. And yeah, that'll do it for Minji and Marvin. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. Show me, I know I got something real